last week on What the Football, Con gives Sol Campbell his second straight Wanker of the Week nomination. Is that a red? Um, I don't know if you heard this latest one from our uh, man, Sol Campbell. No. Campbell in. Campbell in. Campbell in. He sits in. <laughs> Again, another one of those confusing, you know, he tried to show how smart he is with this, with this little perla, and it's just a little quick line, but he said, um, you know, obviously the other clubs are negotiating and looking at different options and came out with, uh, if, if I'm appointed to the job, I'll be extremely happy. But if uh, they appoint somebody else, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. Dibs compares Xhaka's issues to that of David Luiz at Chelsea. A lot of David Luiz, actually. Because if you watch David Luiz more recently when he really played for Chelsea, he will oh, say played because we don't know if that's going to happen again. He plays, wants to play every position except the one that he's in. So Xhaka is constantly trying to get up and attack and not worrying about defence too much. Dan gives a much more logical solution to fix your congestion than the FA's proposed rest week. The solution is clear. Ditch the League Cup. It's a complete, complete waste of time. Start the FA Cup earlier. Give it the prominence it deserves. Put some, put some money into it first of all. During the in-depth Arsenal analysis, Pat started forgetting names. Peter. What's his name? Edda? Edison? I forgot what his name is. Edison, sorry. Yeah, Edison, still, yeah. still, still before six in the morning. I'll get a few names wrong. <laughs> and true to his word, he did just that. Jaki, Jaka, whatever you want to call him, Fairy Jaka. And then showed why he's considered a glass half full type of man. Now I'll ask you something, Pat. Yeah. Right, here we Talking go. about what Arsenal got got wrong. Don't you want to talk about what Arsenal got right? I've finished. I've done that. We we did the four two three one formation. <laughs> And Jared thinks Arsenal should just give up defending altogether. Well, the thing is, if, if you let him cross in, as you saw yesterday against Brighton and Hove Albion, two crosses into the box, two goals. So, no matter what you did, well, no matter what Arsenal do at the moment, they're going to concede. And welcome to episode four of the What The Football podcast. Great football analysis from five ordinary blokes. I'm Patrick Gilbert, and a big hello to my three co-hosts today, Dan Haswell in South Africa, Jared Southern in Texas, USA, and also in Australia with me is Con Taylor. Welcome, boys. How is everyone? Thanks. Uh, no, it was good to see you. Glorious. Would be a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Glorious. I'll be there. Dan, be morning, Dan was missing. Must be morning glory for Con. Kind of hoping this podcast was cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could hear by the voices how everyone is. So... So just as an intro, over the last few weeks, we've gone into depth with Manchester United, Chelsea, and then Arsenal last week. This week, we chose in advance Liverpool to focus on, and we'll be reviewing their game against oh, yeah. Manchester United. But... Oh, yeah. we, can, we, we can have a bye week if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, it's trivia time. You see <laughs> oh, Daniel, our star. What do you have to you boys already. Never catch your boys out again, but not too not too difficult to do that. We did really badly last week, didn't we? We didn't even get in like the top ten of of no, that corner. Yeah, you, you, you know what interested me last week 
five percent yeah. was the best corner conversion ratio. So that means and, the uh, best team has mm. to have twenty corners in a game to actually get a goal. Fair point. And if you if you look at how people go crazy every time a team wins a corner, it's actually unmerited when you think about it. I think Liverpool had 11 or 12 against United yesterday. That's 13, I think. Say. You just have to look 13, at the yeah. Liverpool corners had. Yeah. Well, don't worry, you, you do one next week then, Con. That'll make you happy. Yeah. Small mercies. <laughs> okay, then. Fire away. Right, let's, let's go for it. So, I want to talk a bit about Spurs. I think they... They look like they're making a big push. Uh, and that was, they just played Bournemouth, and that was their first come from behind win of the season, in fact. Believe that. And they are also the they only. Andy, yeah, it looks like that he could be out, but we've got Sun, so that should be fine. He's well, the only Andy, this year. Keep quiet. That's not the trivia. You're not the trivia guy. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> Spurs are the only unbeaten team in the Premier League in 2018, by the way. That's another fact. They were playing against Bournemouth today. Bournemouth went 1-0 up. uh, And Spurs are only one of three teams that Bournemouth have failed to beat since they were promoted to the Premier League in 2015. So my question is, who are the other two teams? Fair enough for you, boys. The other two teams that teams? haven't beaten Tottenham since they've been promoted. No, the other two teams <laughs> that Bournemouth haven't beaten. Dan's big questions. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so stew over that, guys. We'll be back with this. The answer to it later on in the podcast. Now we get to into the match analysis, and as we move into it, I want to warn everyone that people in high places may actually be listening to our analysis and advice and p- even putting it into play. Just look at Arsenal last week, who impl- implemented a lot of our advice for a great result against AC Milan, and then followed it up yeah. with an easy win against Watford. Now the main point, and it was in the intro, one of the main points we harped on about last week was Granite Xhaka needing to be playing in a more defined role, whether that's a holding midfielder or a ball-winning midfielder role. And and what did he do against AC Milan? He was playing in the most disciplined holding midfielder role that I've seen him ever play in. He was just sitting in front of that defence. Well, his positioning is still pretty ordinary. He was in the wrong spot most of the time, but just the fact that he was behind the midfield, in between the midfield and the defence... Just trying to sweep sweep things up, just delaying any counter attacks, just enough so our, our other midfielders could get back and our and our wing backs could get get back in shape. It it was fantastic. We looked completely different defensively. Um, he still tried to do silly stuff like shoot from 35 yards out when there was five minutes left in the game and we're trying to hang on to a 2-0 lead and and then yell at Wenger when Wenger yelled at him for about a minute. Like he's there's still lots of stuff I'm not happy about with him, but. But hey, 
the fact the shape of the team was so much better defensively. So they obviously listened to us guys. Did Danny or any of you so guys see Wenger, that? Is Venga one of our six subscribers then? Venga in. <laughs> I think he must be. <laughs> he is. So another great call by you, Pat, was was Ramsey. He got the goal, he got the second goal, didn't he, against uh, Milan? He did. He didn't let me down. He was he was in everything. Yes, he said, providing the overload, breaking the lines. He did, and he and he also uh, he also provides the energy. He was for the first goal. He was the the guy that came and and pressured and actually got a a touch on someone's pass, which deflected it to 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 one of our guys who said, and that's when the the, the move happened, the start of the move happening. So you you often just see the the end of the. The highlight reel where the assister and the goal, but but if you if you go 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 back thirty seconds, you go okay, well, who actually made the play to actually get the intercept, and, and and that was Ramsey. So he was involved in two of those goals and and beautiful finish as you said, Dan, for the second one. So Ramsey, Arsenal's most important player, although he didn't play today. So I was I was hoping that I could say yeah, another win for Ramsey um, against Watford, but but hey, Arsenal. I think I think I think Wenger is uh, agreeing with us. He's gone. I'm resting Ramsey for the important second leg against AC Milan. Yeah. Because why? Your big Europa League Because he is the most important player. So Wenger has listened <laughs> to us last week as well. So good on you, Wenger. Two wins since you've listened to us and no losses. We'll see how that goes. Let's hope we can do the same <laughs> for Liverpool as we move into a match analysis against Manchester United, which which finished two one to Manchester United. Now. I was really grateful that you all gave me the chance to uh, talk about Arsenal before you guys laid the boots into them. So I think we should give Con and Jared the same opportunity and let, and let let them, if they like, uh, yeah, give us a bit of a summary of the game. So who would like to go first? Are you muting me? Are you muting me? Please mute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's you two then. I'll oh, jump that's like in asking who wants to jump into the, the fire bed. first. <laughs> I, might as well, I might as well put myself up for, for slaughter at the start. Because I've been uh, there's a lot to get off the chest. But look, if we look at the game on Saturday, obviously going into it, it's, it's always a nervous thing going into a United game these days. As much as we talk a lot and are very confident at the same time, um, you never quite know what you're going to get from the game. And I say that from a result perspective because they're pretty tight attritional affairs. United generally set up in a in a pretty tight formation. Mourinho, at the end of the day, will will take the results over over anything else. And I think that's it is important at the end of the day that the three points in these games are taken. Um, if you look at the way it was set up, you know Liverpool started with their four three three. A couple of surprises for me. Um, Ox getting the, the start ahead of um, probably potentially like a Henderson or, or a Guinea, who may be a slightly more defensive. Um, and even with Trent starting at right back as well, it spoke or it gave me the impression of of Klopp really wanting to have a go and be on the front foot with those selections. Um, which I suppose to an extent... Um, in hindsight, now it actually backfired because I thought you know, Rashford was having an absolute field day with um, Trent and really exposed his inexperience. 
I thought Ox was poor from the moment the game started all the way to the end. The man was upset. He came off. I have no idea why he was upset. He was absolutely atrocious for me. His passing was bad. His decision-making was terrible. He took too many touches on the ball. Um, it, for me, they were, they were probably two of the worst performers. I mean, I can understand Trent. It's hard to be, it's hard to be critical of him at his age. I think for the first goal, you know, it was a calamity of errors as far as I'm concerned. The frustrating part for me of the goals we conceded were they were route one. You know, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about formations, you can talk about bloody everything in the world. But when a goalkeeper takes a freaking goal kick, punts it long, you idiotic defender in Lovren doesn't even get near uh, close enough to Lukaku and, and aside from that our midfield was pressed up too high in that instance um, allowing Lukaku one-on-one battle with Lovren a flick in behind Trent being too wide Rashford coming on the inside okay so that, that that's the issue number one issue number two Rashford does really well in, in getting inside and, and ahead of uh, Trent on the goal but I think the frustrating part and what you find with, 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 with Trent at this stage is, I suppose it's being critical again, but this is where the experience comes in. He overcommits in his decision with, um, with Rashford in that when he, he charges for him, because of the pace he was running at, he effectively takes himself out by overcommitting and showing Rashford on the inside. Now, had he just actually, when he managed to get himself in a decent position, which was just behind um, Rashford, you know, a shot with his left foot, a cross goal, would have been a harder thing for him to score, mm, exactly. allowing him to cut back on the inside and then by then taking himself out the game and giving Carriers absolutely no chance um, with the goal. I'm taking that like- away from from the goal from Rashford's brilliant finish, absolutely brilliant finish. But I think a lot could have been done in the build-up to actually stop it completely. Arnold was so, like Bambi on ice skates, mate, the whole game. Who, uh, he was. He, he 100% was. And you know what? <laughs> I, I read an article. You know, I can't even argue with you there because I read an article afterwards and it made such perfect sense. You know, I hate, I hate Mourinho because he actually got 100% right. He said we targeted right hand side of Liverpool's of Liverpool's um, um, defense and so to speak, you know. They exploited the fact that uh, the pace that Rashford had and, and he said it, he said Trent's pretty quick, but Rashford's quicker. And I think um, I've always found Rashford to be an extremely dangerous player. And he's actually a United player that I respect highly because of his age and because of the ability that he has. And he absolutely, you know, dominated Trent that entire game. And, and you know, it led to more frustration for me because you see this happening and you just don't see the changes coming early enough from, from Klopp. I'll get to that in a second. But the second Con, goal, yep. Would you rather have it right back then? You know, I saw Gomez on the bench. And for me, Gomez, out of the two, Gomez is a far better defender in his decision-making. I understand he's been caught out a couple of times in some of the games. But I think overall, in his defensive abilities, he's a defensive player. I think the problem, or why um, Klopp went with Trent, was that from an attacking sense, I think Trent is a far better player going forward. And the ability to whip in crosses and beat players going down the wing, 
is probably why I see decisions made by Klopp at the start was to actually try and get at United a lot more with with the personnel that he chose. Unfortunately, that backfired horribly when you look at it in hindsight because of the outcome of the match. It didn't work, and the decisions to play Ox and Trent, as far as I'm concerned, were incorrect. You know, you can look at it from any perspective, but those decisions were, were wrong um, in hindsight. Uh, the tempo of the game, too, when we started the game, you know, first five minutes just before the goal, um, we saw Liverpool really sort of slow the pace of the game down. United were always going to sit deep. They pretty much allowed us to come up to a point, um, you know, between 18 and the halfway line where they started trying to close us down. Um, but we started pretty slowly with the pace of the game, slowly building it up. We con- there's no doubt we controlled, we controlled the possession. You know, we controlled all the stats that, at the end of the day, um, don't actually uh, matter, I suppose. And and the main stat yeah. was the scoreline. You know, we can, controlled we can controlled possession didn't bother United. Didn't bother United. I can't even agree anymore. You know, we we got all the way up to that to that to the. Um, the areas where you know, key decisions had to be made and, and you know the wrong decisions were made or the wrong passes made or somebody held the ball too long. And to be perfectly honest, you know, I cannot believe the job that um, you know someone like Ashley Young did on Salah. Uh, to an extent, I suppose it should have been expected because you know, I was talking to one of my friends who watched the game with me, an Arsenal supporter, Pat. And you know, Ashley Young is like the teacher's pet. He's like that kid that comes to soccer. And he looks at you in the eye with his eyes glistening. And he's like, pick me, manager, pick me. I'll do the job for you. And Mourinho is like, you know, Ashley, I need you to do this for me. And Ashley's like, yes, sir, I'll do that. I'll do that. And afterwards, I'll do whatever you need from me. You know, I will do it. <laughs> One of those players, he did it. And he made Salah. I, I don't even know where Salah was. Salah was off doing the freaking salsa in, 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 a, in a club it's, somewhere. He was non-existent. Really yeah. I mean, actually, was like young, the teacher's pet, he's very eager to please his manager and will do, he will sacrifice his own game for the good of the team. And, and that's, that's the point you're making. And it's a very good one. And I'm not surprised it was an Arsenal supporter that made it. <laughs> Such an insightful bunch of those Arsenal supporters are. But, you know, you take Salah out of the game. Mane, effectively, I find him dropping extremely deep. He almost yep. became like a midfielder during the game. And I think the lack of, of drive coming from midfield and the frustration of the fact that we weren't able to actually get in behind United at all. You know, Firmino was, was his normal uh, hard-working self, but there was just no bite at the end. We created all the, the corners. We got into decent positions. You know, Dan Stat just highlights how ridiculous it is with corners. I, I remember every time we got a corner, standing up here, with bated breath, waiting for something to happen. And the only thing that happened was the clearance. So critical things, I think, in the game went against us. If you look at 1-0, uh, I think of the one corner where we should have scored. And unfortunately, I'll give VVD the benefit of the doubt. You know, a sideways header is always one of the difficult ones to put in. However, you know, he should, he be, he should, he should be scoring that. He should be he should, scoring that. He should that. have scored. He should have scored. And he should have scored. Okay, can I ask, can I ask you both a question, both Jared and Con? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Jared. So you, you mentioned the midfield not creating, and there's there's been a there's been a bit of a 
a difference in your midfield since Coutinho left, hey? And a lot of the talk's been around been around the fact that you're, you've got your, your three attackers and then the midfield's basically just providing now the foundation, like the, yeah, the foundational platform for your three creative attackers to go to their work. Whereas previously it was Coutinho in that midfield providing a bit of a dynamic between midfield and attack. It's obviously worked well the last month, but is this in the big games, do you need a bit of that wildcard factor out of midfield to break down the better teams? I mean, I think... You know, yesterday's highlighted that fact. We don't have that. We don't have that number ten. Um, Ox tried to play that role yesterday. Now, I don't think he. I don't think he, he, he would have taken on his own shadow yesterday and won. He was really poor yesterday. When he, when he came off, he was more pissed off with himself rather than actually Klopp actually pulling him off with about thirty minutes to go. He just he was non-existent in the midfield. Uh, James Milner is not going to give you anything going forward. I think who we really missed yesterday was Jordan Henderson. Um, it's no secret I'm a big Henderson. Uh, it's no secret I'm a big Henderson fan, but uh, we, you know, his passing has improved drastically over the last couple of weeks. Um, he gives us the energy that drive from midfield that we lacked yesterday. Um, we had times we had to slow the ball down. We went forward too quickly. Um, you know, when you go forward too quickly against a team that's packing in with six at the back, you know, as soon as Ashley Young tucked close to Chris Smalling, he closed the space where Mohamed Salah has been effective this season. That's in that inside right channel. Salah was he had absolutely no space to move. Firmino was forced out wide on the left. Mane had to come back and to play almost like that number ten, that attacking midfield role. So maybe, there were many times where he picked his head up, looked for Firmino and Salah to move, give him something, but there was nothing. He had to almost go sideways, backwards, because United had compacted the defense so well that they absolutely notified anything the front three were doing. Our front three yesterday were, were poor. And um, singing that same tune where we have 77% possession and we didn't muster a single shot on goal in the second half, which is, uh, you know, when you're chasing a game against your biggest rivals, you will at least make the keeper work. And the only thing that we really did was force uh, Eric Barr to put the ball into his own net. So it was a bit, it's a bit frustrating. Yeah, we, 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 we missed the number 10 yesterday in Coutinho, but, you know, any team's going to miss a player like Philippe Coutinho. I really think with the squad we had, I would have gone with Jordan Henderson in midfield instead of James Milner. Uh, G- uh, Gene Wijnaldum instead of uh, um, Oxlade-Chamberlain. And that would have been a nice option off the bench had we needed to come chase the game. The way we set out, we had nothing really to come off the bench. And we ended up winning Anki on with 10 minutes to go. He hasn't scored a goal. So, going forward, it was disappointing. A constant on the defensive side of things, but going forward, we were, just, we were, we were really poor yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's against, against our biggest rivals. Not a single, I've said, not a single shot on goal in the second half. When you 2 nil down, it's, it's a bit disappointing. And I, I, I think the players know it too. Daniel, we've spoken about what Liverpool did wrong. I know you like talking yeah. about what teams did right. So what did Manchester United do right yesterday? As you know, I'm a big fan of the Plan A. United had a Plan A and they executed it to uh, the utmost effect. Um, for what Mourinho is, he's, he's practical. He's very tactical. Uh, the way he sets sets out the team. And, and Liverpool, to be fair, fell right into the trap. Because it was predictable yeah. that United were going to were going to sit deep, 
especially when they didn't have Pogba available and you've got McTominay and Matic. Uh, so they had those two protecting the back four. Uh, and really, for me, Matic and McTominay, they both had excellent games, but it, w- it was quite easy for them. At no point did they seem overloaded. Uh, I think that goes to, uh, as I've been saying, Liverpool's midfield. There really wasn't that uh, extra pressure applied, any runs to break them down. Um, United successfully played either over or around Liverpool's press. Uh, Liverpool just didn't really have a response to it. Okay, and I just want to go back to a point Con made earlier about the first goal about Liverpool's defence pressing up too high from the goal kick, and and pressing yeah. and and having a high defensive line is obviously the cool thing to do these days, and I think I think there's a danger of doing it all the time, um, and and also I remember I remember we we I think we spoke about Liverpool's defensive woes a couple of months ago amongst ourselves, and one of the things was. It wasn't really a personnel thing; it was an organisational thing. Where you looked at their defensive line and they weren't working together. There was, there was sometimes when the centre backs were in front of the full backs, or the sometimes when the play was on the left hand side, but the right full back was playing everyone onside, and that and and that that type of un, uh, dis, discohesion. And and I think that that's the sort of thing that happened for that first goal, Con. So so you've got let let let's look at it. You've got a long goal kick, and Lukaku, the centre-forward, comes down to win the header, eh? And he... Yes. He, he drags the centre-backs with him. And then... Yeah. And then who's... And you shouldn't have the full-backs behind the centre-backs oh, right. playing everyone else yeah. on side if the centre-backs have gone up for a contest. They should have pushed up with them. Um, so I think Liverpool's defence have got a lot better since Van Dijk came in. He's obviously... He's obviously organise them a lot better than they used to be but there's I think there's still remnants of that lack of organisation where sometimes instinctively people aren't doing the right things You know what United did that was, was clever uh, if you notice they they overloaded their midfield a lot and especially targeting targeting Liverpool on the right uh, so they obviously had Rashford there yeah. but either San- Sanchez or was always available down that channel. So effectively, they had Lukaku, Ashford, and other Sanchez or, or Mata uh, to provide that extra man there. And, and Liverpool just didn't seem to react to that. Uh, and it was definitely United's tactic to attack that side. And it's that's really hard to defend against. It's really hard to defend against that, isn't it? And, and that's what Coutinho would have done if he was in the... He would have drifted... Where and overloaded one of the flanks or overloaded one of the defenders and given Liverpool more chance, but there's no no no, no dynamic. Yeah. I can't say the word dynam- dynamicism uh, in the Liverpool team. Uh, I, I don't know so much about Coutinho being good defensively. He he you know he wasn't really. That's why I really miss Jordan Henderson because he's he's really helped out Trent and Lovren on that same side of defense. Uh, he would have. Been a bit, I don't think Inmate Chan was very disciplined enough yesterday. Uh, he, I don't know if he was playing, or if, you know, at times it looked like we were playing the one-two, at times it looked like we were playing, you know, three flat in the middle. Uh, so he was, 
you know, he was all he seemed all over the place, and he was he was too far left. And we, I mean, we ex- Lukaku exploded Lovren twice on the goal, and then uh, Rashford was all over Trent without any you know any cover because there was always Sanchez, like that Dan said, Sanchez and Mata were always there available. So, yeah, again, I've sound like a stuck record, but Jordan Henderson, I, I know he was probably rumours he was nursing a knock, but uh, hindsight, we, we really missed. His energy and his uh, his passing maybe get the get United to turn because we didn't we didn't we didn't uh, ha- I don't think once United fans turned and ran back towards the end goal it was actually very easy for them which is swearing. Well, with the low block like that, that that was that was part of United's game plan too to sit low and give no yeah. space behind them. But so, that, and that, that's the worry thing. Why, why wouldn't you know Salah playing so narrow? At some point, someone would have to say, you know, you go wide, you get touched on, and then let Oxley Chamberlain play in that in that uh, inside right channel, and try put away from Ashley Young, try get Ashley Young away from Matic and uh, Smalling, because the, the the three of them were so so well covered that Salah had absolutely no space. Even when he when he got the ball, he was swamped. So Salah had to move away. He had to, he had to someone had to come and give a. Uh, at least have some quality with and, you know, maybe push Oxalade Chamberlain into that hole, especially when we were chasing the game. But instead, you know, Salah stayed where he was, where he's been successful. And every time he got the ball, back to his back was to go into a turn. He turned into Matich, turned into McTominay, uh, or Young was there to t- take the ball away from him. So, I, you know, it's easy in hindsight. But uh, again, the 4-3-3, you know, we the same thing against Mourinho's team time and again. And we've scored two goals. One's been a penalty and one's been our own goal. So I think Klopp needs to learn. Klopp needs to look at his the way he's up against you know, and a Mourinho like side because it's going to happen again in the Champions League. You know, teams are going to look at it and they're going to learn. You know, if you play Liverpool and if you do this, you have the low block and you you compact, they're not going to get past you. And that's a way we can win. Or the, yeah, the way you can beat Liverpool. I thought at some stage, yeah, Salah might go to the other side, uh, swap with Mane. I mean, after I six minutes, that, when you haven't had a thing, you, you, you would think that would be obvious. The thing is with Ashley Young, when you've got an inverted fullback wing like that, he's strong on his right foot. Uh, he was able to deal with Salah, obviously wanting to cut in as well. So as you said, that's how United were very happy closing that channel. Yeah. Uh, it might have been, might have been different uh, had he had a player trying to go around him on his left hand side. And that would have opened up more space, and but that it didn't happen often. And then, and then the, a width came from Roberto Firmino, who was playing a number, you know, as number nine. So he would, you know, essentially he'd be isolated. And even if he looked to get the ball square, you know, you got Salah against three players, you know, and that's not really us getting the ball on shanks crossing in. We we very good in that half space in front of goal, top of the 18, and there was nothing. There's literally no space there whatsoever. United closed that completely. Yeah. Hopefully, Klopp learns. You know that he that he recognizes that weakness that we have when we play as a team with a low block and who who are very disciplined. Because if we draw Juventus in the round of sixteen, I mean they they're just as good as United defensively when they want to be. So they'll let us have all the possession, and we'll struggle to break it down because they'll just close all our space. Just like Swansea did to us. Well, Chaz, you told us a couple of weeks ago that Lovren has five out of six 
good game, so it was this as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that he was I mean, you can look at you can look at the errors you can look at the errors that he made on the Lukaku. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose a header against a defender who's taller than you, especially when he's fielding his own goal kick. But he was he was uh, he was it wasn't as wasn't his greatest game. He had Rashford and Lukaku to try to take care of, and, and Trent wasn't having a great game, so he was trying to cover Trent's mistakes too. So oh, I don't know. We were, people point the finger at Lovren, but I don't think it's all. I don't. I don't think both goals were down to Lovren. Okay, so we got Arsene Wenger implementing one of the main bits of advice from last week. So, Con, what do you? If if obviously Jurgen Klopp's listening to this, so. What is the main piece of advice you would want him to implement for the next game, or, or for a game next game against one of the big teams? I think we've lost Con. <laughs> yeah, I think Con's, Con fell asleep again. Jared, what would be your yeah. advice? I would, just like we spoke about, I, I would you, you would. You, you'd want to change your midfield up, get the get the runners from midfield running into that half space, and you uh, you want to interchange your wingers. Maybe switch Salah and Mane for a bit. If uh, one is not having luck against a particular defender, get one of them wide. Get Roberto Firmino to stay up as the target man. Get our midfielders to run and do the work that Roberto Firmino does. So that way, when we're up in the final third, we have we have some options. Um, but you, you, I d- essentially, you, you want more energy from the midfield, and with Emrakan and James Milner, you're not going to get you're not going to get that. So I would I'd look at the trio in midfield, and I would look at perhaps for a certain of period of certain period of time in a game when it's tight like that to to change it up. Maybe go bigger three at the back, four, four, a three four three, uh, you know, for a dominant midfield. Have, have have our width not come from our fullbacks, rather come from the from the wide players. Let Salah and Mane become essentially wingers instead of the inside right and inside left. Sure. Yeah, and and you've got so and much flexibility it. with that those at that attack. I mean, you can even yeah. play play uh, Mane up forward um, and go, and go go with the two forwards, you know, and, and revert to. So you've got so much flexibility. You're surprised he left it so late to do almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Con, what, what would what, what would be the one thing one thing if Klopp was listening that you would want him to implement for the next game against a big team? You he persists with the four three three formation. Obviously, again, pretty much every team. I just find that you know when you play against a team like United that are going to cut out your channels completely, and block your ability for your 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 uh, fullbacks to overlap or, and your wide players like Salah manage influence the game at all. We've got to then go to a formation that might, and I think maybe a diamond would have been a better option, give us a bit more flexibility. Um, I think someone like Lalana, you know, I know he's only come back from injury, but you could see the subtle change he made because he finds the spaces behind the line and in between, unlike someone like Ox, who is more, you know, front facing midfielder who takes the ball from deep and tries to run with it. You know, you need those intricate players in games like this to break down the small spaces that you are afforded. So I, I think he has to learn from this because we come up against United, 
and play the same formation, then I dare say we'll end up with a draw or another loss against them. But clearly what we're doing at the moment is, um, you know, against them in particular, it's just not working. If I could say one more thing, the overall scheme of things, you know, when I watch a game like that at the end of the day, you know, for United to have to go to that extent at home to actually get a result against us, I, I look at it as a positive at the same time. It means that you do fear us when we come. You ultimately have to set up in a particular way to try and beat us. And I guess the small positive I can take from that is that we are not the club we were five years ago where we were pretty dreadful in these games. We're at least now true competitive and we do force United to approach them in a particular way and at home only taking 20, 20%, which is um, unheard of for Liverpool United team. So. Okay, thanks, Con. Thanks, Jared, for, and uh, commiserations. Congratulations, Dan. And yes, we'll move into the next segment. Here comes Willy Wanker. <laughs> now, who is going to be our Willy Wanker of the week? We'll let Dan kick us off today. Dan, who is your Willy Wanker of the week? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys got to see the Everton Brighton game or any parts of it. Yeah, I saw the, saw no, the first half. Missed it. Missed that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, there's a part where Baines has the ball, he attempts the cross, and it inadvertently hits Anthony Knockout in the face and goes out for a throw in. <laughs> it looked, you know, completely accidental. Not like Baines was trying to kick it into him. Um, it was a bit like the one that flattened uh, Milner in the Liverpool game. Can't remember who who, who did that, um, but anyway, so there's a throw and it gets passed back to Baines. Knockout just reacts and lunges and two-footed. He even makes contact with Baines just to make it worse. It's not even like he gets his money's worth, and he just gets he obviously gets a straight red. Wow. I mean, he's 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 a good player, Anthony Knockout. But I mean, yeah, that was ridiculous. So he he gets my vote this week. Well, that's a bit disappointing, Dan, that you didn't go the FA three weeks in a row. In a row. So at the, at the moment, <laughs> yeah, we've got... I thought I could have given it to them, but you know. <laughs> So we, we've got FA and Sol Campbell leading on two votes so far. Two votes each, and uh, now Knockout is it a running Is it a running tally? Yeah, it, it will be a running tally. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Might add it up at the end of the month. Yeah. Okay, Con, are you going to go Sol Campbell again? Give, put him in the league. No, I'll give I'll give Oliver a break this week and um, introduce Dan's uh, favourite favourite manager, who seems to be going for the double of taking both Sunderland and West Ham down. Uh, I mean, this chap really. He's still. It's funny. He still has one year left on his United contract, and his achievements in that period have been nothing short of mesmerising. Being absolutely woeful at Real Sociedad. 
taking Sunderland down into the first division and doing a mighty fine job of taking, you know, the, the hammers or looking like, you know, potentially taking the hammers down. You know, it's now gone three games on the shot, having lost, obviously, the first one being 4-1 to Liverpool, followed up with a 4-1 thrashing to Swansea, and then another annihilation at home to Burnley. Um, there's only one way for West Ham at this point, and that's 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 the championship. So, you know, my wanker of the week, of the month, of the year, of the last six years, is none other than uh, Dan's favourite manager, David Moisey. That's ridiculous. You're ridiculous, <laughs> much like David Moyes. Do you want to defend David Moyes? Well, he's got as many relegations as your Jürgen, by the way. Cheers, buddy. If you want to rate managers so of relegation. He's got Bundesliga titles as well. How many titles has well, he got again? Yeah, that's right. Thought so. Yeah. Hasn't been the Bundesliga with the, the second best team of, like, a two-team league, has he? Second best? I'm pretty sure they were rubbish when he took over. But anyway. I'm pretty sure, sure they went. The trap is set, and I have succeeded in my attempt at Wank of the Week. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, my Wanker of the Week is, and I'm going to have to find his name. I don't know his name. He was a commentator, one of the commentators in AC Milan versus Arsenal. And and it was, it's a bit harsh, but it's one of those things that I hate. I've got a pet hate of commentators saying the uh, automatic thing when something happens which doesn't really make sense. And and one, one of the sayings that commentators use, as soon as Arsenal went 1-0 up away from home, it was suddenly, oh, that's a very valuable away goal. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's just a goal. If, if the other team comes to Arsenal the next week and wins 1-0, the away goal hasn't made any difference. So the away goal is only a valuable away goal when you have multiple goals scored in the game. Okay? Right now it's just a goal, just like any other goal. There's no permutation. If Arsenal take a 1-0 lead back home, there's no permutation of scoreline which makes that one goal a valuable away goal. It doesn't take make any difference. If you win 3-1 or you lose 3-1, then suddenly that away goal could be valuable because it means you... Because, right because it means you only need to win 2-0 at home, or you can afford to, you know what I mean? Or you can afford to lose 2-0. It's not not valuable when you've only got the single goal. So commentators, stop saying it, because it makes you a wanker. <laughs> I think that's, is that the Robot Wars commentator? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to... Do you guys get... Do you I, guys I don't want to blame Wars? someone who, who, who it is, and I'll find out. I think it's that Robot Wars guy. Do you guys get Robot Wars? Yep. With those remote controlled, that's him. <laughs> it's, it's him. I'm pretty sure it's him. Okay, so we, we'll we'll move on. Um, before we get into the the trivia question answers, is there anything else from the uh, Premier League that anyone would like to bring up, such as a Harry Kane injury, or speaking of injuries, potential injuries? Poor Pogba not playing for Manchester United. I want to get into that a bit, Dan. So we'll start there. What was the reason Pogba was left out of the United team? Yeah, the first theorists will probably have a field day. Um, 
because, of course, we don't really know. The official word seems to be that he got a gash, whatever that means, in training the day before. Um, but again, looking on the flip side, United beat Liverpool. They didn't have Pogba. They didn't. They had Lingard on the bench. They didn't have Martial. So that's three absolute premium quality players uh, that weren't used in the game. Um, and the team are showing signs of, of more fluidity. Um, so that's, that's a massive positive for United fans to take out of it. Okay, well, while you're, while you're talking about Liverpool and Manchester United, Dan, I just want to... I noticed a link on, on Facebook that Con's been sharing, which is from thisisanfield.com. It's about, it's called You'll Never Walk Alone, the story of the cop's greatest hymn. Um, yeah, um, Con, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Or Dan, do you want to ask a few questions? No, about well, it? you might as well let Dan talk because he'll probably chime in at any second talking about stealing the song and banging on about utter crap he doesn't know. Let him go. Classic, classic group will steal something else. No. There we go. But, but legend, has that, legend has it that you'll never walk alone was just played at football grounds at Old Trafford, the Munich Memorial. And, and I would know because I was there. But anyway. <laughs> okay. So anyway, there you go. There you go from Liverpool. Nothing's, nothing's, nothing's original about that club. Even okay. took, so you're... Even you're, took, you're... Your argument that it was used at the memorial, not as a song sung on the terraces. I'm kind of confused by your your comparison because it's two different things. Really, that's no, like well, me was, singing a song on my balcony. The... That's like me singing on my, a song on my balcony and then somebody adopting that as their own, and I have an issue. Well, I don't even understand what you're talking about. It's like you singing the song on your balcony, and I'm your neighbour, and then I start singing it. You know, every day. For your team song. And then I what, I get upset by that. No, it's fun. It's your song. It's just, you know, you, you guys are usually good at history, so you should know. But, um, I mean, even even your, fam- even your famous cop end is taken from the the Spian cop, yeah, from the, the Anglo-Zulu War. Uh, so it was. It's just so, another, yeah, I believe the Reds lost that day. <laughs> There was a lot of injury down here. Apparently so. <laughs> okay, move, moving on to Harry Kane at Spurs, injured. How bad was it? Yeah, it doesn't look good. I don't know. Uh, he got his foot, his foot caught underneath the goalkeeper. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see about that one. Um, he gets stretched off. Uh, he came to hop off. Um, so it's a big blow for Spurs. Big blow for Spurs, but we'll have the usual England praying over uh, foot. One of these? No, that's the traditional four-year <laughs> thing. So it had it had to happen to somebody. So uh, that'll make the the World Cup lead-up seem 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 like more exciting. Um, what is exciting is now is this. For the top, Liverpool down in fourth match. Chelsea got a bit of uh, ground to get up, but then City yeah. not out of it. I think the result on the weekend definitely opened up um, 
for that. The only the only thing to I looked at the fixtures that remaining. Obviously, United. You guys still have to play City and Arsenal, I believe. Um, Liverpool have to play Chelsea. Is the only one left that they still have. And I That's think Chelsea has to play Spurs. Yeah. Uh, the only good thing about it is that I think the game between us and Chelsea is the second to last game. So it might be a lot clearer by then because I think by then Chelsea would have already played Spurs and I'm pretty sure they have to play one of the other guys. So it'll go down to the wire. There's no two ways about it. I think United will probably end up holding on to that second spot. Uh, but you know what? Between second and fourth, really, um, now with the change of the, the change, League laws with uh, fourth yeah. now just going automatic. It pretty yeah. much makes no difference as long as you're in the top four. Yeah, I think uh, Tottenham, if they finish like they did last season, I think they were eight of their nine uh, games yeah. last season. So if they if they put on something like that, then they've taken up one of the spots. If we have United yeah. taking one of them, that means it's one between Liverpool and and Chelsea and a bit of a playoff. So that'll be make make life interesting. Um, yeah. 100%. Spurs are to see with the Spurs. Yeah, yeah they've got no Champions League games clocking up their midweek as well. That's um, yeah. true. So put on the line now, guys. That's true. Dan, give, give me your top four, predicted top four finish. United, Spurs, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> of Connor, course what's yours? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I'll probably go United, Liverpool, Spurs. I think if Harry Kane is out, <laughs> it's going to be a big issue for Spurs. Yeah, that is the cat amongst the pigeons, that one. I probably would have gone Spurs above. No, I, I probably would... You know, I, I, I still think it's 50-50. I don't know which way to go. Liverpool have impressed me a lot, except for the game against Manchester United. Um, yeah. So I, But they're not going to play Manchester United every week. So I yeah. think that they will win quite easily most of their games. And Tottenham will struggle a little bit without Harry Kane, obviously. So I, th- I think Liverpool will edge ahead of Tottenham. I think we must be fair, though. It's to get it exaggerated. Liverpool went terrible. Uh, there was a few tactical things United got right in the day. United, run, United won the, yes. 1v1 duel, the 1v1 duels. Think of yes. really any one v one deals where you have a Liverpool player coming out on top of against his United opponent. So yeah. when when you do that, you can't expect to win. Um, but but Liverpool weren't terrible. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate those kind words. <laughs> I know that was hard. Take a no breath, problem. Dan. Dan, take a breath. Easy. Take a breath because. <laughs> the time to find the answers to what the football trivia and the question was. Right, so come on lads. Bournemouth. There's only three teams in the Premier League that they haven't beaten since they were promoted in 2015. Tottenham was one of them. Bournemouth went up today but couldn't hold on. So Tottenham is one of them. Who are the other teams that Bournemouth haven't beaten? The two Manchesters. 
Well, City are one, but they have beaten United. So that leaves us with one more. Chelsea. Beat them, actually. Yeah, not Chelsea. Yeah, it's not. I mean, on that point, I really enjoy both. I think they're great for the league. You know, they were these, yes. these small clubs, comparatively shoestring. What uh, Eddie Howe team have done there is, is really fantastic. It would be, I think it would be a real pity if if they got relegated. Yeah, agreed. agreed. I agree. I, I prefer these, these smaller, well-run teams so much more. You know, they, they should be in the Premier League because they're a big team. If they run efficiently and terribly, I don't agree. Then they must get relegated. They can be like Leeds and put down in the championship forever. Uh, I'll go Burnley, my next guess. I'll say Burnley as well. No, it's not Burnley. I'll put you out your misery. It's Watford. What? Watford. Yeah. What? Yep. So we've been running Terry for this. That's, that's me tuning up. Was it three? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dan's trying to win, trying to win the trivia segment for crying out loud. You should try to win something, Ah, <laughs> oh, So last week we anointed Aaron Ramsey, Arsenal's special one, Arsenal's most important player. This year, Con's got the unenviable task of anointing someone from Liverpool's performance last week. Con, who is Liverpool's most important and irreplaceable player? Look, obviously not in relation to last week's game, but I mean, it's hands down. It could be controversial with some Liverpool supporters. This guy is the epitome of everything Jurgen Klopp is and what he brings. And I think without this individual, the system and the way we play just doesn't work. It's none other than Bobby uh, Firmino. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll leave that for Jazz to bring up Henderson. <laughs> but, um, Oh, Bobby Firmino, and you know, the man is, is he epitomizes the very nature of the way we play from his high pressing to his industry up front, his closing down of players. If you actually watch him um, and analyze him again, the amount of work that he does off the ball is just, you know, it's something to behold. I, I think he's not valued outside of, of the teams he plays in. Because people don't really understand fully the extent of the of the role that he plays within a team, you know. I've often 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 had conversations with people, and they go, "Yeah, but you know, this player is better," and they're comparing him to more traditional number nines or players up top. But that's not what Bobby is. He, he's never going to be that. He's not meant to be that. He's a type of player that gives you a lot more. He brings our players into play because of the spaces and the and the the, the holes he works in. He, he brings players like Mane and Salah and makes them as effective as they are. His link-up play is second to none. And, you know, some of the stats that I looked at, Bobby, are just, you know, astounding, especially one of the, the ones about tackling. It really highlights the fact of what Bobby brings aside from everything else. He's ranked in the top 50 of all players in the Premier League for tackles. So he averages 1.8 per game. The top 50. And now for a striker, there's another line that is absolutely insane. Because to put it in perspective, the next player that's even close to him that plays as, you know, a number nine is 
is uh, Josh King from Bournemouth, which is ranked at 136, I think it is. So it, it's it's quite insane to have a player that plays up top. He's so influential in, in, in the amount of tackles he makes in a game for a number nine. But I guess why I highlight that stat is it shows really what he brings aside from his goal scoring. He probably averages, you know, a goal every three to three and a half games, which in taken in isolation doesn't sound like a lot. But if you look at the contribution to the team and what he does in terms of bringing players into play like the Mane's and Salas and creating space for the midfield, it's an excellent return for someone like Bobby, whose assists are on average around about 10 a season. So if you looked at him this season alone, you'd probably end up around about those 18 goals, maybe get into the 20, but I'd probably say he'd finish on about 18 goals in the league um, and probably end up with about this. Um, that is a, a heck of a contribution from a player that, that is part of a front three that has to date scored over 60 goals. So irreplaceable, the number one name on the team sheet every week for me. Mohamed Salah might get applauded for the goals, but there is no greater contributor to the Liverpool team and the way in which Jurgen Klopp plays than uh, Bobby Firmino. So my replaceable player of the week is Bobby Firmino in Liverpool. So if you could, if you had to get rid of one of those two players out of between Salah and Firmino, because you can only keep one, <laughs> you could only keep one of them. You, you keep Firmino uh, and let Salah go. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Tough one. You have really put it in there. That, yeah, it's such a, a tough one because you've got the goal, Salah. But I, um, oh, I, I, that's a bloody tough question, man. Tough. Well, question. you were missing both of them yesterday. <laughs> Touche, Dan. Touche. <laughs> I can't answer that, Pat. You've caught me in a conundrum. Then. So, so, I, I think it's a good call, and, and it, like it highlights it highlights the strengths of someone that helps create the play and set up the team structure and important in the team structure to someone who is a is a quality, unbelievable quality finisher in Salah. So, who is the most important? That is a good question. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Dan? Well, concept for Minion is already backed off. So he's, he's confused as usual. <laughs> Never confused. If we press for an answer, I'm going to go with Bobby all day. Oh, well done. Well done. Well done. Um, before we get to the end of the show, we, we do have a bit of, bit of fan mail I want to get through. Um, what? Oh, love it! Bit of fan Got mail. Fans, yes. And Get and Con, that. you've you've obviously been leading. You're obviously very popular on this show. You've been leading the <laughs> leading the uh, <laughs> leading the fan mail fan count. Mail, and and we, we we had we had a nice little bit of mail from someone called Monu, uh, and he said he said, "I'm really starting to hate this Liverpool bloke. He 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 comes out." He seems to be a, a typical pretentious Liverpool wanker. That that's what yes. that, that that was your fan mail. So I don't know if you'd like to. They'd like to do it. 
can. I'd like to do a hello to Manu. Hi, Manu. I, I, I can I, I can guess who you support, mate, and I guess uh, there can only be one team that you support based on comments like that. You heard some hard truths from me about your wanker manager, Jose. So, um, no, big Dan Aswell fan. And anybody that's a fan of Dan Aswell is not a friend of mine, mate. So, <laughs> thanks, Bonnie. Keep listening. Love the comments. Keep them coming, man. Yeah, we, we appreciate all our fans, especially the ones that abuse fellow co-hosts. We really appreciate appreciate them. Um, <laughs> Love your work, Bonnie. And uh, we, we've got some more. Um, some someone commented that it's a bit of a lot of Manchester United bashing on the show, and I'd just like to thank that person for that that compliment. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay guys it's been a good show we are gonna we are going to see you next week we are gonna which team haven't we picked yet i think i think we're gonna have to check out what the big game is next week and there's a few european clashes but we'll definitely do some good analysis coming into the over the next week so thanks for your time everyone and we will see you all next week see you guys good night coming up in the champions league yeah! What the f***? Football. 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 Football.